Hi, this is Mitch. This is the Tuesday afternoon podcast. It's probably not a good day for me to be podcasting, um, just because the house we're getting. I'm getting a lot of work done in my house. There's a lot of noise. I'm holed up in my basement now, trying to do the podcast to limit the um, obstructions, the sound obstructions. But um, uh, I think you're going to hear saws and things. But I want to be consistent about getting this out every Tuesday. I'm hell or high water, not literally. So I'm, I'm in the basement and I'm, I'm doing it. And that's probably not a bad idea because it's, we don't have any air conditioning right now um, for the moment in our uh, first floor of the house. And it's pretty hot. So it's nice and cooler, nice and cool in the basement. So although I don't write about politics anymore, I don't cover it, I don't talk about it as much. Um, I don't want this podcast to feature politics when there's big news like last night's news. I can't ignore the 800-pound elephant in the room, or in this case, in the gaudy halls of an obnoxious resort in Florida. So, yes, yeah, so the FBI raided Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago yesterday, and they focused in on, from what we understand now, unclassified or classified also, documents that were like, I guess, being kept in his office or in the areas where he quote-unquote worked, which is a loose term when you're talking about Trump. Um, so, you know, and these documents in essence were stolen. They were supposed to have gone to, I don't remember, is it the Library of Congress or the National Archives? I think the National Archives at the Library of Congress, I don't know. I think that's correct. But instead, Trump took them home. And I remember when that happened, and we all saw it happen, we all knew it happened when Trump was leaving, begrudgingly. I remember the videos on the news of Trump walking, you know, Trump's cronies walking out of the you know, when they were packing up the moving trucks to get his shit out of the White House, there was reporters were covering these boxes of papers being taken out. So we all knew that this was being done and it was widely reported that it was illegal, but I don't think any of us expected that they would ever find their way back into the hands of government officials where they belong, especially if some of them are highly classified and contain U.S. secrets and are dangerous to be out there, especially out there in the hands of a narcissistic sociopath who, you know, whose self-worth is completely connected to money and um, would certainly, in my mind, do anything necessary to sustain that self-worth and which in my mind would, I'm not saying this is what happens because we don't know, but would certainly be more than happy to sell that information to the highest bidder or use it to cover his ass, especially if there's something, you know, that could be politically or legally damaging to him that was recorded somehow, that was documented, that wasn't destroyed. On the flip side, I find it hard to believe, but, you know, Trump is not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I find it hard to believe that there's anything left, you know, in there that, you know, anything that's 
that's potentially um, incriminating that either he or his cronies wouldn't have destroyed. But irrespective of that, and we'll find out about that in the weeks and, and, and months and whatever days to come. Um, but irrespective, I am heartened by this. Um, I, I don't like this. I don't like when people go to jail, not that he's going to jail, um, although he certainly earned that, and we'll see if anything like that happens. Um, and I'm not happy when people get broken into in their house, um, although this is a search warrant, it's not a raid, there's, you know, it's it's not a raid, quote unquote, we're just using that term. Um, I don't like to hear that ever, but it's a part of the justice system and, and, and people who commit crimes deserve that, especially if they're trying to hide the evidence in, in different places. Search warrants have a valuable um, function in our, in, our, in our judicial system, our legal system. Um, but I don't like it. This isn't like, and this isn't a happy day for the nation. It's not, um, I'm sorry, I'm just hearing the guys walk around upstairs. I just want to see if they need me. I don't think so. Anyway, it's not a, it's not a, so it's a, so I think conservatives are thinking that, um, you know, liberals are celebrating and, I, and to an extent they are, but it's not celebratory. It's, it's relief. It's relief that the law, the rule of law matters. It's relief that an obvious criminal, whether he's indicted or not, I can't see how he won't be because I can't imagine that the um, Department of Justice and a judge would have signed off on this if they didn't have the goods on him before they even went in there. Um, but we'll find out whether he's indicted or not. This makes a, this is a bold statement. It's a bold statement to Trump. It's a bold statement to the cronies around him. It's a bold statement to any of Trump's minions or accomplices in Congress or potentially in the media who are maybe a little bit nervous right now. Um, that you can't just do whatever the heck you want to do. You can't just do, even if you're, you know, even if you're an old, rich, white crook who somehow became president, who has been getting away with things that would have gotten any person of color or any person of not of means locked up decades ago, um, you know, you're not necessarily above the law. There is a point, even if you become the president, where if you break the law and you have credible people in the Department of Justice and you have a separation between, even though the Department of Justice is part of the executive branch and the president technically is in charge of the Department of Justice, there's an unwritten rule that it's independent, which it is in the Biden administration, that if you have um, credible people of good conscience and competency um, as the attorney general and in those positions, that you're not gonna get away with it. And even if the most that comes out of this is you know, the government gets its documents back and they're not no longer in the hands of Trump, that's a win. Whatever crime um, he is or not, is not connected to whatever happens in, in terms of the actual documents themselves. If this, if it's beyond just, you know, stealing classified documents, um, but it's actually, he's actually doing something with them or those documents prove something beyond this, we'll find out. But the fact that the rule of law matters, that's huge. And there was an article in the Bulwark today, which is a conservative publication for normal conservatives, not, you know, extremists, but there was actually an article in the um, 
in the bulwark today that I didn't read the article, but I just read a, uh, a, 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 a I'm going to read it still. I haven't had a chance, but the, I guess the author who tweeted it out, or maybe it was the bulwark when they tweeted it out, the article, you know, he tweeted an excerpt and basically I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was something along the lines of, um, this other presidents in the future will remember this. And that's really important because Trump and Trump's Department of Justice set a precedent that the president is above the law, that the president can do whatever he or she wants, that they will never be accountable for anything. And that's, that's inarguable. I mean, that, that's literally what they did. And, and they took that, um, that, that comment that Trump made during the 2016, I'm sorry, yeah, the 2016 uh, election season before he was elected, his campaign season where Trump said he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it, and his supporters would still support him. Um, Trump's Department of Justice took that further. They actually implemented that, where not only could he shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and, and, and still have his supporters support him, but he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it because he could, because he was president. Well, with this particular search warrant and standing up to him, a, a president in the future who thinks about just randomly breaking the law, I think will think twice. I think this single act reverses the precedent a hundred percent. And if Trump is held accountable for any crimes related to January 6th, which I know is a separate Department of Justice investigation, or any crimes related to this, you know, seizure of these documents, or any intersection between the two, that's only going to strengthen the, the precedent that we've had for 250 years, which suggests that the president is not above the law. And that's a good thing for our, our democracy and a good thing for the country. So I think that's all I'm going to say about this for today. Um, I've been meditating a lot. I like meditation because it helps me to discover things inside of myself that I don't see in everyday life, in my day-to-day -day life. It helps me to connect with problems that I may not have even known I've had. It's kind of like psychotherapy for me without having to invest years into talking to somebody. I just come down, I do my meditation, and things come to me. Um, things pop into my consciousness behaviors. There's a term called scars. Um, I don't know exactly, or scars. I don't, it's a, you know, those of you who listen to my podcast or follow me on social media, you know that my wife is Indian, uh, Hindu, and you know, her, the Hindu, uh, the Hindu influence has, or her faith has influenced me somewhat. Um, so I, I've learned much about that, you know, about the Eastern traditions. And there's this idea within the, this, the Eastern tradition or the Hindu tradition of sanskars, which the Hindu tradition, if I have it correct, basically believes that they're kind of like habits related to karmas from past lives. That gets, 
I know is spiritually complicated and it's, it's, you know, there's some, especially for a Western audience, I know there's some, some, what's that word? Some buzzwords, some red alarms when you hear karmas and stuff and, 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 and past lives and all that stuff. So I'm not going to get into that. We all believe what we believe, but the idea is just that you carry these, um, these personality traits with you and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not good for you. And in order to, um, in the only way to really kind of connect with them, discover them, bring them to the surface and to sort of clean your spirit, your mind, your body, all your shit is to, um, is to meditate. And, and for me, that's, I, I think that just works for me. So when I, when I, do my meditation. Sometimes it's useless. I mean, sometimes I'll sit and I'll meditate. I have no particular system of meditation. I've studied this one and that one, and it doesn't really matter. I've just come up with my own thing that I like, and that changes all the time anyway. But when I'm in that meditation, I've often heard it compared to like, you know, you have like dirty laundry, like you, you like you clean, like you, you know, all the laundry that's inside of you where meditation is almost like washing it. It's like a, you know, like a, like a, like a cloth that is like a spiritual cloth that is, that is filthy. And each time you meditate, it cleans a little bit of it. It cleans a little bit of it. And for me, it exposes those sin scars. So I might think, for example, I've talked about this on the podcast, um, to, to lesser extent, I might, I might have a feeling that I, I have, like I've, I've, I've had a difficult time my whole life, adult life, with my career doing what I want to do, which is this kind of stuff and other things like this. But I, I, I would always avoid it because I always had this feeling that I wasn't enough, that my voice wasn't enough, that people didn't care, that it wasn't worth giving me any money for, that all this kind of stuff. But I didn't have that the depth of thought to understand that that's what it was. It was just... I would try this business out or I'd try to do movie, make movies or I'd try to do this. It just didn't work. And there were all these plethora of surface reasons why things didn't work over the years. And, you know, it still kept the patterns kept repeating itself. But once I started meditating and getting into it a little bit, I started to discover these, you know, these feelings of inadequacy, these feelings of, you know, and, and what's ironic is I believe that always believed as far back as I can remember that every person everyone and I always I thought myself too can do anything they want and I would tell this to people my wife my kids my friends even as a kid before there was a wife kid we're still friends my family you can do anything you want and I thought I believed that about myself but apparently I didn't which I didn't realize until I got older and became a grown-up and started to to meditate that I would say this truly believing what I was telling people and thinking I believed it about myself but not realizing, not having the emotional maturity to realize that I didn't really buy it about me. And that was, um, that was that, so that, that was, you know, that was an epiphany and it, it and, and then, you know, that, that was an epiphany that, um, that was directly connected to the spiritual exercise, which I consider of meditation. I just, it was, it was so obvious when it suddenly came to me in a meditation that I, I, I couldn't believe I didn't think of it before. I didn't realize it. And then when I realized it, like I didn't have to dwell on it. I didn't need to go and do therapy for, you know, a thousand years. I just needed to, 
continue to meditate about it, continue to sort of feel is sort of deep in the pit of my stomach that feeling of discomfort about not being good enough and then can, using social media to whenever I thought my voice was was worthless I would tweet something or I'll go on and I'll podcast and I'll, I'll practice and I'll remind myself that there's value to what I'm saying um, and you know and, and go through that process of building this muscle of self-confidence of changing this sense scar and I know that that's not the end of it, right? I know that this scar of not feeling confident, not thinking my words have any value, I know there's an evolutionary process and I'm at a certain point in that spiritual evolution by being able to see that, but there's more. I'm not done yet. There's something else. There's something deeper that as I continue to meditate and I expose this scar, this habit further, I'm going to discover something on top of that that's going to be like, oh my God, holy shit, that's why I've been feeling this way. I, I don't know. I don't know if it ever ends, if it ever changes. I don't know. But um, if, if the process ever ends and if it, you just do it your whole life. and But I'm starting to enjoy that process finally. So in terms of how I meditate, because I know a lot of people like to do it or want to try it or whatever and they get stuck on the hows. And... I think that's where we can really get hung up on anything we want to do, not just meditating. I didn't think this was going to be like a self-help podcast, but I guess it kind of is. And I guess after talking about Trump, you kind of need self-help stuff. So in, in, in terms of the how I do it, and um, first of all, I don't, I don't worry about if it's working, the meditation is being done correctly. I don't, I don't care. I don't worry if it's right. I don't worry if I'm properly trained. I don't worry if I know what I'm doing. I don't worry anymore if I'm getting anything out of it. I used to kind of wonder if I was getting anything out of it, but I don't worry about that anymore. You know, sometimes I think it's just as easy as just sitting down and closing your eyes and just don't do anything. Just let stuff come into your brain and wander off, daydream, do whatever the hell you're going to do and just start. And then just follow that path. Just keep, I'm not telling you to do this, like you should do this, I'm saying for me. You know, just keep coming back, you know, every day, every other day, whatever it is for 10 minutes, half hour, five, whatever, but just keep returning, even if it seems useless. And eventually it takes you somewhere. It's like, it's not something, meditation I don't think is something you have to learn I think it's just something you do and then it's something you become, which is esoteric and bullshit sounding, but I, I, I think it's an ex, ex, it's experiential. Now, I'm not against learning stuff either. I mean, I have done guided meditations. I have I had years ago a bunch of CDs, you know, with some sort of Zen meditation and I practiced that and I... Um, you know, I think I was into Deepak Chopra, you know, for as a younger kid or an older kid, I guess, but a younger person years ago. And I, I liked his med. I was following his meditation, his guided meditations. Um, my wife does these different Hindu type meditations or these different offshoots. We even took a meditation course together at, you know, with a spiritual organization called Brahma Kumaris. 
So, I, you know, I, I think there's certainly value um, because I think they sort of, and, and if you like one of those practices, I think it's, there's nothing wrong with it because it, it, it gives you, a, you know, and I, I think there are people that would argue you have to do that. You have to study a meditation to, for it to be effective. And, and that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't care. Um, it's, it's good if that's something you want to do. Um, but, you know, for me, I just, you know, I, I just think there's some value to this, this hodgepodge of kind of exploring different meditative practices, but then also just returning and just finding my own meditative path and letting it happen because it's just working for me. So that's it about that. Um, I don't know what else I want to talk about today. We don't have air conditioning. I told you guys that. And that's great. Um, you know, like with the air conditioning thing. All right. I, I do worry a little bit. Not about air conditioning, but... You know, like... It's hot. It was hot in Europe, crazy hot in Europe two weeks ago. It was remarkably hot in India. I think it still is. I haven't been following the news in India, so I don't know, but like dangerously hot. And I know we just had not to focus on politics, and I won't, but we just, you know, passed this Inflation Reduction Act. Congress, uh, the Senate pass it, the House will probably pass it, they will. Um, Biden will sign it. It's, you know, a good chunk of that is finally a significant investment in climate change, which is imperative. But that being said, I'm feeling quite concerned, maybe I need to meditate on it, about this heat. This thing seems to be happening. It's no surprise to anybody who's awake and who's paying attention anyway, that's what I'm going to say, but at least as fast or faster than scientists were predicting. And I don't think it's unthinkable to think that if we have this kind of repressive heat, 106, 110 degrees in, uh, in Great Britain and in throughout Europe, I don't know, it's not, and, and, and almost 100 and, what was it, like 120 in some areas in India already, at times, like, and that's just what's reported on, right? That's just what we can find out about, you know, because they're big places. Um, I, I don't know if we're necessarily going to get, um, if it's, 125 in Somalia tomorrow for four hours. Are we going to know about it? Is the media going to pick up on that? I mean, if a reporter's there, maybe, but otherwise, no. So I, 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 I know as a world, we're not doing enough to combat climate change, but just as a concerned citizen, it, everything seems to be moving faster than scientists predicted, at least from my perspective. And you know, what does that mean? I don't know. But I'm thinking a lot about that. And, and what do I do besides just talk about it and think about it, right? What do I do besides babble on my podcast about it? I don't know.
But it's food for thought. We'll talk about it in another podcast. Well, that's it for today. 24 minutes in is more than enough of your time that I have taken. Thank you for joining me today. I will be back next Tuesday afternoon and every Tuesday afternoon. Have an awesome week. Peace, joy, have some love. Be at peace. I ate some good food this week, too. It's not a bad idea.